You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode being brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today is Monday, May 10th. And before we get to the show, I just want to give a huge shout out to anyone who graduated this past weekend, including the Gonzaga class of 2021. I know this is obviously not how anyone envisioned their senior year to go, uh, but you guys got through it. And you guys deserve a ton of praise for dealing with everything thrown your way and thriving through it all. Uh, I went to a Jesuit school through high school and I went to Gonzaga. So I went to a Jesuit school for eight years. So I say this with all sincerity, continue to live your lives as men and women for others. Also, a shout out to all the moms out there for a belated happy Mother's Day. I hope everyone had a wonderful day yesterday full of love. Okay. Today on the show, we are going to recap the Iverson Classic that took place on Friday and Saturday nights. Chet Holmgren, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman all played in it, and they all had their moments to shine. So we'll give you a breakdown of that event from the words of those who watched and attended it. And then we are starting a new series today, and it's going to take place over the next several weeks, where I'm going to rank all 23 of Mark Few's recruiting classes from worst to best. So today we are going to finish the show talking about the worst recruiting class in Mark Few's history at his time in Spokane. But we start today with some news and notes from the weekend. Caden Perry got injured late Thursday night, and I did not realize it before recording uh, Friday's podcast. So Caden Perry has a back injury and he has no timetable for return. Battlegrounds High School season ends, uh, I believe, at the end of May, beginning of June, somewhere around there. I would imagine that he is probably done for the high school season. He also had a, uh, a rolled ankle in the second game of the year. Um, so he's been dealing with a couple different things. So it seems like the best idea is probably to shut him down and then just get him on campus and get him ready for summer workouts and the chance to get to a, a fall camp. But it's obviously very unfortunate for Caden Perry as a uh, competitor and as a player who wanted to play this season with his high school teammates one more time that he is probably going to be unable to do so. Let's get to some pro zags. This is the final week of the NBA regular season. And over the weekend, Rui Hachimura took on DeMontis Sabonis in a thrilling game between the Wizards and the Pacers. Sabonis had a triple-double in the loss. Sabonis' last five games, he's averaging a triple-double. 27 points, 14.5 rebounds, 10.5 assists, shooting a very nice 69% from the field. Rui Hachimura in the win over Indiana at 13 points and 6 rebounds. And at one point, he blocked DeMontis Sabonis at the rim, trying to go up for a dunk attempt. So a little bit of zag-on-zag crime there. Both of those teams, the Wizards and the Pacers, are going to be in the play-in tournament. There's a really good chance they face each other in the 9 versus 10 game. There's a chance that the Wizards end up as the 8 seed, but they're going to have to pretty much win out this week in order to get there. So it's likely that we see Rui versus Sabonis again with a 
kind of a do or die scenario at stake. The loser goes home and the winner survives to play at least one more game. Brandon Clark and the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be in that exact same situation in the Western Conference. Brandon Clark had two points and eight rebounds in 17 minutes off the bench and a win over Toronto over the weekend. The Grizzlies are half a game behind the Golden State Warriors for the eight seed in the West. And there is a huge difference between getting an eight seed and the nine seed when it comes to this play-in tournament. If you're the nine seed, you've got to win back-to-back games in order to get to the playoffs. If you're the eight seed, you can lose that first game and then win the second game and you're still in. So the eight seed has to basically just go one and one. The nine seed's got to win two straight. So right now, Brandon Clark and the Grizzlies, like I said, at the nine spot, half a game behind the Warriors for that eight seed. We turn our attention now to overseas Gonzaga players. Elias Harris, if you haven't heard that name in a while, his team took third place in their tournament. Uh, He's been playing in Spain, and this season he averaged 14 points and four and a half rebounds on the year. Like I said, his team finished in third place, so shout out to Elias Harris. Kevin Pangos, who I mentioned last week, is going to get a pretty hefty contract from the team he plays for in Russia. They have officially offered him a two-year contract. But he has not accepted it yet. He is still going to mull over his offers. So it's going to be, like I mentioned last week, a very, very interesting uh, offseason for Kevin Pangos. And then Nigel Williams-Goss, his playoff series starts tomorrow. So I will be updating you probably Wednesday morning on how Nigel Williams-Goss's team does. A really good article came out over the weekend on Gonzaga women's latest recruit, Bree Salenbien. She is the first five-star that Gonzaga women have ever received. She is a top 50 prospect out of Michigan. She tore her ACL her senior year in high school, so she did not play. But before that, she is one of the elite shooters in the class. She can score at will. She's six foot three, but can play pretty much one through five. She's very, very versatile. Like I said, she's got really good range all the way out to the NBA line. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see how Lisa Fortier utilizes her in her offense. She was quoted in the Spokesman Review article, which you can read in the podcast description if you'd like to. I will link it there. Lisa Fortier talked about how if there's any way that players in her program can earn playing time, it's by becoming a solution to one of their problems. And she believes that Bree Salambian can be a solution to a lot of different problems that Gonzaga has. So, like I said, the the highest ranked recruit in school history is coming to campus uh, this fall. And uh, once the season gets a lot closer, we are going to be doing player previews. And she is one of the ones that I'm very, very excited to talk about. So, again, if you want to read that article about Bree Salambian, it is in the podcast description. It is from the Spokesman Review from a Gonzaga class of 2017 writer. And one last thing here is Gonzaga baseball. It is returning to action this week. In all likelihood, coming off of their COVID pause, they're going to play this weekend in a three-game series at Portland. Over the weekend, San Diego lost two out of three games to BYU. And as I mentioned, San Diego and Gonzaga head into this past weekend tied at 14-4 and atop the WCC standings. So now Gonzaga, who obviously did not play, still at 14-4. and San Diego is now at 15-6. and San Francisco at 15-9. and Portland at 13-8. and All of those teams kind of play each other 
at the end of this season. So Gonzaga has three games at Portland coming up this weekend, who's fourth in the WCC. And then they've got three games at home against San Francisco, who's third in the WCC. And then they wrap up the season at home against San Diego, who's second in the WCC. San Diego, on the other hand, has this weekend off before hosting Portland for three games next weekend. And then they obviously travel to Gonzaga to play three games against the Zags uh, the final week of the season. So the Gonzaga and San Diego will finish with the same number of games played. So it very well could come down to that very last series to see who wins the WCC championship this year. Okay, coming up, we are going to recap the Iverson Classic from the weekend and give you the scoop as to how Chet Holmgren played, how Hunter Salas played, and how Nolan Hickman played. So we'll get to all of that here in just a second. But first, a minute to talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and like I said, the NBA is winding down their regular season, as is the NHL. Playoffs are approaching, so it's the perfect time to get in on the fun. And you can track all of that action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Okay, let's talk about the Iverson Classic as a high school all-star showcase event that took place Thursday through Saturday. Thursday was a bunch of practices. Friday was another practice plus some dunk contest and some one-on-one and um, those kinds of things. And then Saturday was the actual high school all-star game. So from the reports of the people that were there and those that watched, let's go through each uh, individual Gonzaga prospect. Let's start with Chet Holmgren, the number one player in the class of 2021. It sounds like in practices, he was an almost absolutely impossible to score over the top of, which makes sense considering he has got a seven foot six wingspan and he is one of the most elite defensive prospects coming out of college in quite a while. But on the offensive end, he also had a huge dunk over uh, Paulo Bancaro, who's going to Duke. And the two of them all weekend long were just going at each other over and over and over. Each of them got the best out of each other uh, a couple times. So it was really interesting to see some of the uh, highlights coming out of that. It's kind of a preview of the Duke game coming up here uh, in November. But uh, overall, it sounds like Chet had some okay practices. But then when the game came around, he was by far the most impactful player on the court on both ends. There was one play that was kind of highlighted by Jason Jordan of uh, Sports Illustrated where there was a three-on-one and Chet Holmgren was the one. And the three players on offense were all afraid to shoot the ball They just passed it a bunch of times and never ended up getting a shot just because of Chet Holmgren's presence. That's the kind of impact he can make on the defensive end. Players are absolutely afraid of him. He is the ultimate rim protector, and it's going to be very interesting to see how he plays in college against some of the most elite athletes going against him. He finished as the co-MVP of the event. He had 20 points and 11 rebounds. Rob Cassidy, who writes for Rivals, he is the, uh, the main recruiting writer there. This is what he had to say about Chet Holmgren's weekend. Quote, number one overall prospect Chet Holmgren had a quiet offensive showing during the scrimmages leading into Saturday's game, but showed up when the lights came on. 
Gonzaga's top-ranked signee lived up to his top billing. Holmgren showed off his three-point stroke and ball handling ability while being an absolute menace of a rim protector on the other end. He took smaller defenders off the dribble with relative ease and shot over smaller players when he found a favorable matchup. Nobody was better or more well-rounded on Saturday as Holmgren backed up his number one ranking for the final time. And that right there sounds like a pretty glowing review. I mean, he kind of highlights what kind of an offensive mismatch Chet Holmgren is. If he's going to have slower defenders guarding him, then he can beat them off the bounce because he has that ball handling ability. And then if he's got smaller players on him, he's going to have those mid-range turnaround jumpers or even a three-point shot because he can shoot over all of them. So he really is the ultimate mismatch and something that Gonzaga has certainly never had before. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Mark Few and his staff utilizes him once he gets us on campus. Hunter Salas was also in the event, and it sounded like he was a little bit under the radar, uh, but his athleticism definitely showed, and his ability to play in the open court definitely showed, and both of those things are going to be huge assets once they get to Gonzaga. He had two monster fast break dunks that really showed off his vertical ability. I've said before, I think he's the bounciest Gonzaga guard that they've ever had. Uh, He's really, really good in open space. I think he's going to work really well. And Mark Few's kind of up-tempo, spacing, ball screen kind of offense. His jumper is decent. Uh, I think he's actually got a better mid-range game than he does three-point shot. I think his three-point shot is a little bit of a work in progress, just like Jalen Suggs was. Um, But uh, I think where he's going to make his money is in the open court reading defenses, and then I think he can also be a very elite defender. Um, I think he's got that uh, really high-level raw athleticism. His lateral quickness is already there, Uh, and based on the high school highlights that I've seen and then some of the clips that I saw from this past weekend, I think his hands are really, really quick as well. So I think think Gonzaga's defense next season, and especially the year after, uh, their perimeter defense can be really, really good with Hunter Salas and Dominic Harris Um, Those two guys have just a ton of length. I think their lateral movement's really good. I think they're going to get their hands in a lot of passing lanes, a lot of deflections, lots of steals. Um, So it's going to be really fun to watch those two guys work. And then another one who could be coming into the fold is Nolan Hickman, who also played over the weekend. As of this recording, he is still uncommitted, uh, but he seems to be a Gonzaga lean. And uh, he is planning on announcing, he said, Sometime early this week, by the time you're listening to this, maybe an announcement has already been made. We'll see. We'll go back to Rob Cassidy, who wrote two different things on Nolan Hickman. This was after Saturday's game. He said, quote, Nolan Hickman was one of the most consistently effective players on either side all week in practice, and he rode that wave of momentum into Saturday's game. The four-star floor general finished the night with 11 points, a pair of rebounds, and one of the most impressive no-look assists of the night. Saturday saw him show his full range of skill as one first quarter sequence saw him come up with a steal on the defensive end before driving and finishing over six foot nine Paulo Bancaro. And the day before, Cassidy also wrote about Nolan Hickman because he was one of the biggest standouts in the two scrimmages and two practice days that they had there. So this is what Cassidy said on Friday night's article. Quote, Nolan Hickman drew audible reactions from NBA scouts gathered in the bleachers. He managed to stand out in a pack that featured a handful of highly ranked prospects by creating off the dribble, dropping effective pocket passes, and playing tenacious defense on the perimeter where he blocked a pair of shots. 
So it sounds like Hickman certainly had a very good weekend. He is a pure point guard in every sense of the word. He is not a combo guard like Hunter Salas is. He is a pure point guard. He's got a super tight handle. He's a really high-level passer. I think he's someone who can come in and play 8 to 10 minutes a night behind Andrew Nemhard, learn the system, and then take over the reins altogether in that 22-23 season. Obviously, we're going to have much, much more on Nolan Hickman if and when he does commit. Uh, and if he uh, commits elsewhere, obviously, we'll talk about that as well. But if he does come to Gonzaga, I think it takes a ton of pressure off of himself for this season uh, if he comes to GU, just knowing that he doesn't have to play 35 minutes a night and be the guy, uh, kind of like what Kentucky thought and wanted him to be. So a lot less pressure at Gonzaga to come in and learn, be a role player in year one, and then thrive in year two. Okie dokie, coming up, it is time. We are going to start ranking all 23 of Mark Few's recruiting classes from worst to best on a day-by-day basis. And today, we're looking at number 23. I guarantee all of these classes are going to have some real blast from the past names, and it is going to be a whole lot of fun. But you know what else is a whole lot of fun? Eating Built Bars. They are absolutely delicious, and of course, I'm going to tell you all about them. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. It is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Listen to some of the amazing flavors they have right now. Peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, coconut almond, and several, several others. If you aren't sure what you want, try a mixed box with multiple flavors. That's what I did last week. I just got mine in the mail this past weekend. The peanut butter brownie is absolutely delicious, but all of them, soft, easy to chew, and like I said, absolutely delicious. But not only do they taste great, they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, now let's have some fun. Here is the deal with these recruiting rankings. Each of the next 23 shows, we are going to count down from worst recruiting class to best recruiting class of the Mark Few era. These rankings do include transfers, and those transfers count from the year they entered the program. So for example, Brandon Clark, he transferred in with the 2017 class before sitting out a year. So he's considered a 2017 recruit. Grad transfers like Aaron Cook would be part of the 2020 class. And the most notable walk-ons are also included. These are my own personal rankings, and they are a combination of talent and success and what the overall class meant to the program as a whole. There's a very, very clear number one, and I would hear arguments and listen to a bunch of different classes at any spots between 2 and 23. So the plan is to go through each player in the class, give their impact at Gonzaga, give the class's overall impact, and then talk about where each player ended up after Gonzaga. So let's get to it. The number 23 recruiting class, the worst one in the Mark Few era, goes to the class of 2010. That includes Marquise Carter, Matisse Morninghoff, Matisse Kaida, and Keegan Highland. 
as a whole, not a whole lot going on. But Marquise Carter was absolutely huge for Gonzaga at the end of the 2011 season and won the WCC tournament MVP. And he also had a career high 24 points in Gonzaga's tournament win over St. John's. So he absolutely just went off in the final six to 10 games of that season. And without him, Gonzaga might have missed the tournament altogether in 2011. So he was a very, very uh, underrated guy in that tournament run. But beyond that, he had a kind of just an average Gonzaga career. He came in as a community college transfer, played two seasons at Gonzaga, only started 21 games, averaged about 16 minutes, averaged five points across those two seasons. But like I said, that postseason run that he had in 2011 was absolutely huge. But the other guys in the recruiting class, Matisse Kaida, Merninghoff, and Keegan Highland, not a whole lot going on there. Merninghoff started eight games in that 2010-11 season as a freshman. He shot 46% from beyond the arc, and everybody thought he was going to be the next great shooter for Gonzaga. He ended up kind of getting recruited over and didn't really make too much of a role for himself, and he ended up going back and playing for Germany, where he still plays today. He's been playing in Germany every single season since leaving Gonzaga, uh, starting in the 2012-2013 season. He's been pretty consistent in Germany, playing anywhere between 16 and 25 minutes or so. He averages right around six to seven points every single year, and his three-point percentage is hovering around 35, 36%. So he never really worked out at Gonzaga, but he has made a decent career for himself in his hometown of Germany. Matisse Kaida, he was very much the same way. He came in, started four games as a freshman, averaged just under 10 minutes a game. He was in the rotation for a good portion of that year. And then as a sophomore, he completely fell out of the rotation altogether, averaged under five minutes a game, less than a point a game. And so he left to go play for Division II school, uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, where he started and averaged 13 and a half points and six rebounds as a junior, and then averaged just under 16 points and just under six rebounds as a senior. Like Morninghoff, Kaido went back to his hometown of France, where he has been playing the last seven seasons. And this year in France, he is actually averaging a career high in minutes at just about 28 minutes a game and a career high in points at 13 points a game. So shout out to uh, Matisse Kaida and Matisse Merninghoff for making pretty decent uh, professional careers out of themselves, but they did not contribute a whole lot at Gonzaga, which contributes to them being part of what I think is the worst recruiting class in school history. And then the last member of that class is Keegan Highland, who sat out the entire freshman season, did not play a game, and then transferred. So he never even suited up as a Gonzaga Bulldog. He ended up transferring to Division II school Bentley University, where he finished his final three years there. And his senior year, he actually averaged 20 and a half points a game, shooting 42% from beyond the arc. So the class of 2010, outside of Marquise Carter's kind of heroics uh, at the end of the 2011 season, the class just did not move the needle all that much in terms of growth of the program or success of those four players on the court. Marquise Carter, Matisse Kaida, Matisse Morninghoff, Keegan Highland. Tomorrow on the show, we are going to get to the next class, the 22nd ranked class in school history, which includes by far the worst freshman class to step foot on campus under Mark Few, 
but is saved in the end by an elite transfer who came with them and changed the program. This class is really hard to rank, as they all are, really. Uh, but this class is super hard to rank because the, the, the freshman group, like I said, is that bad. And it's saved by one transfer. So it's hard to say how much that transfer should override um, what the freshman class was. But we'll get to that tomorrow. And we're also going to update you on any Nolan Hickman chatter going on as he is planning to make an announcement any day now. And it could come today. Don't forget to tune into the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today, they're talking about the New York Knicks and their chances at a deep playoff run. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave a review with your Gonzaga story. I will read them every Friday on the show. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. That is at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show with your story, or any questions or ideas you want me to talk about, feel free to do so. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We will see you back here Tuesday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.